in and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, March 18th. I am your host, Randall. Got my co-host here. Tommy. Um, Enos has just walked walking in the right door. Now. Mad Men is working the boards. Uh, first off, how is everyone? Did you have a good, good. weekend? It's pretty and good, pretty good. We went to uh, National Harbor over the weekend with some friends. Good time. Isn't that where uh, Jeppy's Comet Museum used to be? No, that's in Baltimore. That's in Baltimore. Baltimore. Oh, okay. Oh, you yeah, I, I've been there before. But right th- the last weekend they were open, I went there. That was a pretty awesome experience, i got to tell you. Yeah, I never got to make it. I am seriously bummed about that. See, seeing that copy of, of Action Comics number one in the flesh was pretty awesome. Pretty sure it was. Yeah, and it was a pretty sweet co- uh, copy, too. It had to be been at least an eight. Yeah, yes. Oh, copy. yeah. Um, so, just a reminder for you guys who have tuned in um, live, we also do stream this on YouTube. Um, we show off items from our collections, part of our show and tell. You really want to start watching a YouTube channel. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, uh, show and tell is mine this week. I own it. You, okay. You'll see. Um, oh, we'll see. Okay. Which, by the way, Enos, if you have your book, you can just pass that over here. Sure. Um, so getting into some of the news items, um, uh, we lost another giant today in, I don't want to say the comic book industry, but Lyle Wagner. Mm, who was that's right, yeah. Carol Burnett's show and with Steve Trevor on Wonder Woman has passed away at the age of 84. My wife was telling me about that last night. We have uh, um, we have MeTV on our, mm-hmm. our cable network, so um, Wonder Woman comes on that. So when we see it on there, she likes to catch that. Right. Little known fact that I'm sure Enos has stored in his vault of knowledge, he screen tested for Batman before Adam West did. Yes. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd say you didn't know that. <laughs> You have no idea how much I was hoping Randy stumped you. <laughs> that stinks. Oh, you know what? We should. And I even and I even have it. I have I have DVD with the actual steam test uh, that uh, Mr. Wagner made Michael Donaldson to his wife and family, and Peter Dial, who was the second actor who auditioned as Robin. Very, um, very interesting to see him in that light. So I, I, when I read this, I'm like, I know Enos knows that he auditioned for Batman. I know he knows this. We should make that a new feature. Stump, Stump Enos. Enos. Yes. <laughs> See if anybody that watches us on YouTube or, or listening live can stump Enos. Right. Oh, yeah. oh and before you go any further, My money's on Enos. last week uh, when we were doing our show, I gave a shout-out to the creative uh, team of Ron Fortier. And he commented on the yes. YouTube channel. I just read that. Ron, thank you very much. We appreciate and, and that. And Jeff Butler, High-five, artist Jeff Butler as well. Thank you, guys. High-five. Uh, yep. Oh, you are absolutely breaking the six-foot uh, social distance rule, too. So are you. <laughs> so are you, Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me a hug, big man. <laughs> but, yes, I did see that Ron had posted on. In fact, I literally just like about ten minutes ago was looking at our YouTube channel and said, look at this. Yep. So, all righty. Um, other news. Uh, I'm not going to get a lot into the... Where's the camera? Is this the camera? I'm not going to get a lot into the um, delays and the closures because of um, beer virus. Sorry. Um, coronavirus. Um, just a couple of ones out there. Marvel Studios has indefinitely delayed Black Widow. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I bet they're using that opportunity to do reshoots because that movie doesn't look good. Mm. Um, as long as, as... As well as Disney has delayed releases of Mulan and the Forever Cursed New Mutants movie. Again. Again. This time it's not the movie's fault. That, that thing is going straight to video. I mean, it's just straight to DVD release. Just do it now. I'll well, take I think, that bet. I think they're going to try to bring it out in the theater because, let's face it, it's probably going to be pure profit for Disney since they didn't pay a dime to make it. Right. So I think they'll try to bring it out to... Because, I mean, even if it... You know, brings in like five million dollars. Yeah, it's going to be pure profit for Disney. 
Well, and you can tell because it looks like it used a lot of uh, dark sets, a lot of dark lighting. Um, yeah. You can get away with not such intricate sets when you do that. Um, so, see, I've read a little bit about Hollywood backstories and how mm. they do things. Like that episode of Star Trek where they had no money and it was all shot on an empty studio lot with black light. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll have to touch base on that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Regal Cinemas um, shut down all 542 of their theaters indefinitely. I mean, it's not even like saying two weeks or a month. They just said, we'll tell you when they're open again. And I'm like, okay, then. You guys go. Um, I think AMC Theaters also shut down as well, too. Uh, nothing like getting a little overreaction, eh? Mm. So, Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's better to, to overreact than underreact. So that's, that's all I'll say. That's true, too. Uh, and I also did read that apparently with the uh, the virus back from, like, 1918, this was how they got rid of it. They did social distancing. They shut down restaurants and theaters and public venues and just basically made everybody stay the hell away from one another. Mm. It was basically, y'all quit touching each other. Yeah, but you're talking about the Spanish flu, and the Spanish flu had several phases, and we're probably going to go through several phases of coronavirus. Right, exactly. And I, and I read that also, too, on a, another post that it, it has mutated since its original inception from, from China to here. And quickly, so, too. And quickly. Absolutely. Coronavirus is an X-Man. Right. Uh. Absolutely. Um, I, I, <laughs> I did post a meme on my Facebook. I should share that to the Lost and Long Bus one. The, the nerds out there are going to get this one. It, uh, it shows a bunch of pictures of dolphins, and it says, don't panic, but can anyone check to see if the dolphins left? <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want, if the dolphins leave, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, do you know what that's out of? Yeah, Hitchhiker's oh Guide. There you go. Had to make sure somebody knew. I didn't know if he knew. Come on, how many nerd references has he not gotten? All right. I think I've seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Arbiter was seen. He's seen. He hasn't read the books. You mean read an actual book? No. Can you name all four books? Oh, no, definitely not. You're fired. I haven't fired for a while. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's probably been about six months since I've been fired. Restaurant at the End of the Universe, um, Life of the Universe and everything, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, mm. which is where we find out that the dolphins were actually the most intelligent species on Earth and they weren't indigenous. Mm. <laughs> all righty. Diamond Comics. This one actually surprised me because um, New Comic Book Day is usually on Wednesday. They shipped everything early, so all your comic shops got them on Monday and Diamond gave them the go-ahead to make street date on Tuesday. Of course, by the time I find this out, all the shops are closed, and like, well, it does mean no good. I'm still going on Wednesday. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, much. also with with um, with Diamond, I'm sorry. Did I, I you, did you have any more to say about them? Okay. Uh, free Comic Book Day has now become Free Comic Book May, um, and they're going to be shipping instead of you know with with the social distancing and everything that we you know doing for the for the coronavirus, they're going to be shipping comic the Free Comic Book Day comics out with each shipment each week rather than all at once, um, you know, I guess, you know, to avoid huge crowds coming into your comic store at one time and everything like that to get the get the free comics. Um, it basically, it's, it's saying here, it says, to minimize impacts on our primary distribution operation, prioritizing distri- distribution of weekly new comics and restocks, a number of free comic book t- day titles will be included with each regular weekly shipment for the next several weeks. So it's good. they're going to be shipping out the free comic book day throughout the month of May, not all at the first Saturday in May. Awesome. So, uh, good stuff. It's actually, you know what? That's actually a good idea. They should just do that's that. That's probably, yeah. I mean, that that wouldn't be a bad idea if to just to adopt that for future, now, future May. Unless, unless you're on the comic shop who now has to plan for four Saturdays instead of one. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, let's be honest. Free comic book day is really not for, you know, us. 
No. We're, we're, we're going to go in and buy comics no matter what. Right. It's to try to attract, attract new new readers. So, you know, it's probably wouldn't be a bad idea to do it every Saturday. You know, each, well, each well week. not to mention, a lot of people mistook that Free Comic Book Day didn't mean it was regular comics. They're all special reprint editions of things that are basically worthless. Um, there's a few of them that um, somebody special has premiered in it, and that becomes a key issue because it then goes right into a regular series after that. Um, what, key? Yes. Key. I just think it's I just think it's misused. I just think it's misused. So, so. shoot your basketball to the top of the key. Well, I don't care about like that. I mean, when people talk about calling key issue comics and stuff like Gold that, key comics. Yeah, again, that's not a problem. It's when they start talking about this key comic and that key comic. Well, and how about the the key moment in the storyline? Or, or lock again, in that's key. Fine. That's fine too. <laughs> it's it's just when it's used in that specific phrase, key issue, because half people don't know what the hell a key issue is any damn way. Hmm. Sound well, like you just stepped up on a soapbox. I swear. <laughs> well, I think he has. I mean, I'm not Enos level yet. I think there's a. I think he has a point, though. It's like, you know, you can disagree about what makes an issue key or not, right. or what makes any kind of comic book collectible or not. You know, what you are interested is, is what you're willing to pay. If you're willing to pay for, you know, Patsy Walker 95 or whatever. Damn right you are. You know, that makes that comic book more valuable to you than it does to me. Right. I don't think that it's a key issue. And you're wrong. Shut your mouth! See? Everybody has a right See? to be wrong, Madman. Everybody exactly. has a right to be wrong. And that's what's interesting about this market. Is like, I'm not willing to pay that kind of money for some beat-up old girl comic book. <laughs> girl comic book. Wow. Wow, what are we, like 12 again there, buddy? You, you yeah, want to start? All, I haven't gone past 12. Oh, you stayed 12. Okay, makes sense. You want to start chaos in any Comic-Con floor? Say that you'd rather have Hulk 180 than 181. And oh, then, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my it's god. It's got Wolverine in it. No! It isn't the same as the cover. See? Speaking of being 12, I remember those Wolverine arguments. People argued. I just just to start an argument with some Wolverine fan, I'd be like, I, I like the yellow and blue costume. Right. Oh it's, my it, god. It, that well, was especially back in 82, 83, when they put him in that brown costume. Yeah. Oh god, guys would get fighting mad yeah. if you told them Actual you like fights, the, the, yes. the yellow and blue over the, uh, the yellow brown red. one. And you know what? There's not a whole lot in this world better than a nerd fight. You get two people that ain't never thrown a punch before in their life trying to take a swing <laughs> at each other. Or, or, That's or else, entertainment for or hours. Else two people who just can't fight at all, right. and they'd be swinging at everything and hitting everything except themselves. Yeah, they'd be like... But yeah, punching walls and stuff like that. Turning their you heads. Sound like Eddie Murphy said his father would get drunk. They beat him up. You know what? Listen. listen. I, I don't even need to be here. They can just do the show on their own. Okay. What you got um, next, Randy? So, Vault Comics, who I've never heard of but just have gotten high on my respect list, are now going to publish a new comic book based on the RPG Vampire the Masquerade. I know you're a huge fan of that game. I I've love never played that it. Game. I've never played it, but I know you're um, a huge fan. I have played it. Um, we did a little bit here at game night. Uh, it's a little bit hard because I said I want this edition, and they went and got the wrong edition, so they're pulling out powers on me. I'm thinking, where the hell are you getting that? And like, it's on page 84. And I'm like, I don't have that on page 84. So what you're saying you're running the game and your players weren't listening? Pretty much, yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Because players are idiots. The, uh, anyone who's ever been a storyteller or a game master knows that players are idiots. So um, 
I've played this game with the the illustrious Randy, and I have to say, as role playing goes games go, it is horrible. Don't ever play that role playing game. But I will say this is like what makes it good is its rich storyline. Oh yes, yeah, got a and beautiful storyline. So I think story that, that it makes a lot of sense for there to be fiction based upon that game, right? Because um, yeah. But what they also said is that, and here's what's really cool, um, Vault's going to work with the owners of Vampire to incorporate the stories of the comics into the tabletop. Oh, that's cool. Um, so That's cool. Yeah. I, I actually do want to get another campaign going. Um, I just have to go back and read those books again because I will freely admit that every once in a while someone said, well, I'm going to use this power, and I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I forgot what it does. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, roll 1d10. No, wait, scratch that. Roll 2d10. No, wait. I was right. Roll 1d10. I'm like, what am I rolling, Randy? Okay, so, hey, Tommy, just because this is a subject that's near and dear to your heart, I know it drives you crazy. Don't look at my monitor. Um, do you want to tell me how many variants of Spider-Man number one, or Spider-Woman number one we're up to? I'm going to go with 32. You're six off. Oh, yeah? 26. 26. No, it did say and counting. So it and may, counting. It, oh, it so may, I could end up being right. <laughs> yes, it could be more than that. I just don't understand why you need that many covers. Uh, and you know, I guess if people are going to buy them, you know, it's one thing if you get the cover that you like out of all of them. Well, I like this cover, and I'm totally cool with that. It's when you buy eight all, of them, all of them are more, right. Yeah. That I well, have you'd go problem. broke buying case, all 26 case in covers. Point, the Robin 80, 80th anniversary special that they had in the store today. I saw two copies I like, I bought them. I wasn't trying to buy every last doggone. Some people just take things overboard, right. and I'm like, if it's just like you said, if it's something that you like, especially if it's a particular artist, if there was a Neil Adams one, that would been all sure. I wouldn't have needed nothing else. Now, I will tell you, one of the ones that broke me um, was the Batman 50 issue, uh, because some you? of those had some beautiful oh, yeah. covers, and, yeah. I, and there was easily about six of those I wanted, and I restrained myself to like three. Um, but I could have easily walked out into a five or six of them just I, because the artwork was photo quality on a lot of them. Oh, yeah. They were fantastic. I wanted their J. Scott Campbell cover. cover. The uh, one with Batman and Catwoman in front of the Batmobile. Right. She, um, she's getting her wedding dress. Batman's in full costume. Everybody get, I, well, how come everyone wants to give J. Scott Campbell a hard time, man? They, they, they crack on him like, like we crack on Liefeld. I'm not going to crack on him, but I'm not a fan of his art. Well, but, but 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 that's one thing. But did they say the guy's not good? This, this. I've, I've always been a fan of his art. Uh, I'm not I'm a, in fact, I'm not a huge one fan of, the, of his One art. of the Spider-Woman number one variants I want is his cover. Right. Um, now I'm going to have to go order it online because our comic shop didn't have it. But again, you look at all those variant covers like, well, I'm not going to see that in the store. I might as well just order it. Because um, some of you look at it, you know I'm never seeing that on a shelf. Right? Yeah. Now, let's be honest. Is he better than Liefeld? Well, certainly. But I mean, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his art. Never have yeah. All right, so on to other news. This one actually really kind of struck me as, uh, hmm. So Free Comic Book Day, which has now been pushed to Free Comic Book May, is when DC was going to do their um, Generation 1 free shot thing, which was supposed to be followed up with Generation 2, 3, 4, and 5, and what have you, which is where they're setting up for their supposed reboot. Um, Their solicitations for June just came out, and Generation 2 is noticeably absent from the list. So... They don't want to speculate. No one's actually saying what it means. Um, there's no mention of it whatsoever. It was supposed to be Generation 2, Age of the Metahuman, um, which I like some of the subtitles because they actually kind of tell you where they're going with them. Because, like, Generation 2 is Age of the Metahuman, self-explanatory. Generation 3, Age of Crisis. 
Generation 4, Age of Rebirth, so you knew they were going to go through the DC history. Right. But some people are speculating, A, with the um, firing of Dan DiDito, and now the delay of this, maybe some of the senior editors who've been there, or senior creators who've been there for a while, have gotten Warner Brothers slash AT&T to listen and say, don't freaking do this. Yeah. I I was wondering when DiDito was gone if they were going to halt that. Well, I, it, well, it kind of had the well, writing on the well, wall. Jim Lee gave to. gave a nice foreshadowing in his uh, when he addressed it at that Comic Con that Sunday after they announced the deal. right? Yeah, and and he and and when he said little to nothing about five G, yeah. Well, and remember the silence is golden. The rumor mill was that you had two camps here. You had the the veterans, the artists and the writers who had been around, who knew what worked, and it was telling Warner Brothers, we've seen our competition do this, and it was a huge mess. They had to retcon everything back. And then you had the, the other generation, the, the, the people who do all the tweets and the social media, who don't even read the comics, who are screaming, you got to be young and hip and vibe. Um, and this was who was being the loudest voice. And you had the, the, the diehards over here, the Jim Lees, the Jeff John saying, don't freaking listen to them. They're not buying the product. Exactly. And, and truthfully, if I may digress, that is a really a no-brainer type of situation. You got to listen. That it, I understand that we, because we're part of it, we are the reason that they make their money. However, why do they make their money? Why do we keep coming back? Right. Because you have got qualified writers and artists who've been putting out good stuff. Some of these knotheads out here Nuts. don't know what <laughs> don't know what the hell they're talking about. They see a movie. Or a, a cartoon or, or movie or TV show, they're an authority on comics. And wrong answer. Absolutely. So hopefully this means that DC and Warner have scrapped that project and they're not going to do it. Um, news that didn't sit well with me, and I'm sure you're not going to be a fan of this. Uh, the creative team on Shazam oh, is changing no. in June mm -hmm. to Jeff Lemnis and Brandon Peterson, who's going to be taking over for Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham. Yeah. who, in my mind, are reason why that book is doing so good. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I, well, anytime you tell me that Jeff Johns is leaving a book it's a sad that I'm reading, it's a sad day for me. Uh, uh, raise your hand if when it announced he was leaving the Green Lantern series, you went, well, those are done. Right. <laughs> I, I'm off camera, but yes. Uh, yeah. Now, I will say, when he left Booster Gold, and um, who was it that took over? Uh, their creator, Ordway. Jerry Ordway. Jerry Ordway took over. It was almost seamless. So that was good. And then Keith Giffen took over, and you, well, you, well, you, you only, knew there was a new writer. Well, there's only one Jeff Johns. Right, right. there yeah. is, there is. But yeah, I, I read that, and I just shook my head and went, mm, God, well, it's going to blow. Yes, yeah, that looks like... But you know what, let's, let's not criticize it until it's already out. It's just, we're, we're showing that... Right, I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep... Johns I'm, because we know that whatever he touches is gold. I'm going right. oh, yeah. to keep reading it, I'm going to give it a chance, you know. I mean, I'll, I'll give it at least three or four issues to see if it, if it works, but, you know. Like, Jeff Johns is, is one of my favorite writers, so it's... I don't know. Well, we'll look, anytime well, he did, because you look at The Flash, The Justice Society of America, um, Green Lantern. Oh, what he did with Green Lantern was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was um, the best book coming out when he was writing it. The Flash. Oh, I already said The Flash. 
Right. We we get the point. Yes, yeah. the man's gun. Yeah. Well, he, remember, he just he just did things that no one else would or was willing to do. Well, and here's a great parallel. Since you said Green Lantern, we just had Daryl Banks on here three weeks ago. Jeff Johns did for Green Lantern. 20, you know, 10, 15 years ago, what Daryl and Ron Marsh did for yeah. that book 20 years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, they gave it a shot in the arm, and it was and it was a long overdue shot in the arm as well. Right. So, Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan. Um, apparently, this is doing really good. The book is fantastic. It's based on a true story. Um, but not only is Paper Chase Films producing a movie adaptation of it, but now it's going to be a radio podcast. Huh? And it's going to be done in the style of the old 40s radio serials. Well, that I'm going to have to check out. So, yeah. Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan is based on a true story? Yeah, uh, don't you remember that time a visitor from another planet came down and beat up the Klan? No, no, no. It's, While flying it's around with his underwear on the outside of the There was a, um, during this run of the Superman radio show, um, they actually had Superman take on the Klan. Oh, like Archie Bunker. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought it was also a story of, um, I, God, I'm going to have to look this up because we're going to have to touch on this when the podcast yeah. comes out. But anyway, yes, it's, it's based, I think, off of a, uh, of a novel, um, which came from another, under, I think, like uh, undercover investigation into the KKK. Um, but I will get more details for you on that, Scott, because I know there's some truth behind the whole story. There's no premiere date yet for it, um, but we'll be keeping keep an eye on it. I definitely have to keep an eye on that. You know, if it's in like the serial style of like the the 40s, oh, yeah. I, they, I'm, they, I'm probably going to They said it's going to be done in, the, in the same style as the, and uh, I look as through, the radio And I look through those, through those books, and the art is fantastic, and they do a great homage to the Fletcher Superman in that as well. Yeah, we, we watched some of the uh, 1943 Batman serials over the weekend. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, they don't hold up well. They don't. No, no. no if, you're, if, you're, if you're easily offended, you probably don't want oh, to watch uh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Especially in 43. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, did, and did you see Batman's tights tore every three chapters? <laughs> <laughs> he get in a fight. <laughs> he get in a fight. <laughs> you would see. He's like a tour again. There, look. That's a big damn tear. He got a big, big run in his stockings. <laughs> Are those available on the DC Universe app? No. No. Okay. no. I don't oh, think they're oh, going to yeah. make those they're available. Not put no, them, they're yeah, not going to put them out. They are available on YouTube, though. If DC okay. wants to stay in business, they better not. Yeah, they are. On, <laughs> at least the 1943 one is on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's like, the, the, at, at the end of the like uh, second chapter, Batman falls off and lands on the scaffold and comes back up. He goes up and attacks the robber attacks this guy. Batman gets up in time, getting knocked the guy out. They push him up against the wall. You see Batman stand up. And that was a really good fight. Wasn't a big ass tear. This <laughs> <laughs> but there are stereotypes galore. Oh my lord! There are racial awful. slurs. Oh, oh my, my goodness. god! So since we're talking about Batman, Batman eighty nine and Year of the Villain Heller is number three. Going back for a third printing. Well, I said, third I, I said, printing. I believe it was last week that Hell Arisen number two, had, uh, three, second print had already sold out. Uh, and they hadn't even, well, remember, we said like a couple weeks ago it had sold out from Diamond before it even gotten released. Yeah. So, just crazy. Um, so, while we're on that and we get to the new releases here, Batman 91 came out today. Um, I would say, yeah, you're three or four issues into um, Tenyon's story now, but I would still just go ahead and jump on. Because, I mean, you see what's happening with 89 and 90. Those books are, I think that whole run's just going to stay hot. 
Especially I'm when gonna he gets to pick up, I'm going to have to pick up trades here for him because I liked what it was starting out and then I wasn't able to pick up some of these here. When he goes into the Joker War, I guarantee you it's going to blow up even more. Oh, yeah. Because what, what I was reading was good. I liked what he was doing. He well, he's given up. us two new characters. He's So far, he's given us the designer. He's given us Punchline. He's bringing the, the clown face guy. Yeah, the clown you, killer. Clown killer. You know there's more stuff coming. Um, oh, yeah. And um, the one that Randy, not Randy, good Lord, Tommy picked up for me. He read that before I got my hands on it. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Tenure ain't nothing but the truth, man. I'm going to well, tell you. Not knocking your man, Tom. but I was really excited when I read he was taking over because I remembered his run on Detective. Detective was awesome. So uh, so Batman 91 came out. Robin, the 80th anniversary special. I actually passed on that. Um, yeah. I got two. I got uh, the Kara Andrews cover and the um, recreation of... Uh, the first appearance of Robin, I think Jim oh, Lee Oh, jumping did through that. the paper hoop thing. Yeah. I forgot about that one. That's a Jim Lee cover, actually. Jim Lee cover. Uh, DC Unkillables number two. It is not too late to go back and find number one at I, your comic shop. I go have, back and get both two it. and one because it's picking up right where DC um, or where DC's left off, um, which was a great story. I mean, it, it is literally picking up right there. It's, well, it's, yeah, I'll have to read number one. I haven't read it yet, but I have it. It's talking about those characters. Um, who couldn't have been killed in regular means anyways. Like, what happens when the contagion is not killing them? So, uh, on a Marvel side, Outlawed number one, which is obviously um, the new status quo for the young teen teams, and again, the another Outlaw registration after superheroes. Spider-Woman number one. Yay, finally some new Spider-Woman. Uh, just hope it does good. Um, Spider-Woman number one, and it's 26 covers. Does well. As of press time. I hope it does Nightwing well. Nightwing 70. Yes, grammar Nazi is going to hit me over there. I got to make sure that. He's... I will say this about Madman: he makes me pay attention to my English more because I don't want him to sit here and, and you throw do things English. At me. It, it's English. Oh it's, God, me feel me fail English. We call That's it English. impossible. All right, let's get to the part of the show we all love: the show and tell. Um, I did tell you I was winning show and tell this week. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what you got. So like I'll go, 17 times since before I'm, we begin. Since I'm winning, I'll go last. Um, Enos brought this in. This is Superboy 157, The Adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Can I get a camera? There we go. Look at that. That's a good card. Get too. lost, Superboy. Who needs you? Who needs you? That looks like the Flash Thompson version. That's of. an actually good question, Superboy. Who needs this title? Yeah. Well, it ran for years is what's funny. It ran uh, for a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, Didn't it hit, like, close to 300 issues? It's why they made Smallville. Right. Yep. Well, and remember, too, this was one of the characters in the schuster Siegel lawsuit with DC. Yep. Uh, they were suing for Superman and Superboy. And DC tried to argue, well, no, y- your guys didn't create Superboy. We did. It's a, yes, but it's our character that you base them off of. So That's right, yeah. This is a... Uh, yes, this book will actually... Because it starts with Superboy, but this book... Does eventually become Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Exactly. But yeah, it ran from 1949 to 1977. So, so it had a long run. But that's a good book, Enos. Neil Adams cover. And then, this one is The Madman's. It's another one of these great dollar-sized comics. Uh, World's Finest 245. I love this cover, too. There's so much going on on it. Yeah. Yep. Busy, a busy cover. Well, every time you see Superman... Um, you know, up to his neck and enemies, and he's getting overpowered. Like this is a good issue, and then you get him, and you find out. And you got Martian Manhunter back Mar- there. Yeah, the Martian Manhunter. That guy—he looks like he's incapacitated. And you know yeah. how powerful he is. Right. Well, he's Superman level. Yeah. yeah. 
I think people tend to forget that. And yeah. he always he always had a more believable weakness. Fire. Right. Well, how'd they catch Martian Manhunter but not Batman? Right. Oh, that's uh, a good question. Well, you have to remember, most of the time you don't know Batman's there until everybody else has gone. That's know, right. He's just, hiding in the shadows. Right. Comes yeah. from in between the panels. We he waits it. for all hell to break loose and oh, I guess I'll have to save them again. So, good cover. I like that one. And then Tommy brought in... This is getting hard. I need I need another set of hands. And, and we've had this issue before on the show because Madman has it, but it is a great cover. I really do like it. Um, and I can't remember if this is her first Silver Age appearance, but Justice League of America number 75... I don't believe it is. She crosses over to from Earth 2 to join the Justice League. Black Canary, and good Lord, look at the glare on that mother. Uh, you can't even see Superman. Did you move the table or the, the light at all? No, I guess not. Well, I can move the table a little, and then it comes yeah. out. But, yeah, I love that all we see is Black Canary's stocking legs here. Because, yep. let's be honest... The the blatant hint at sexism here is is obvious. Well, I mean, sexuality. Sexuality. Yes, yeah. that's an amazing cover. That's the whole reason I bought it. It's just a great yeah. cover. Yeah, it's, I actually need this one. I don't have this one in my collection either. And, I, and I, I like thinking that the Green Arrow might be dead. Right. That makes me. That always warms my heart. You know, someone, I'm a Green Arrow fan, huh? Oh, I hate yeah. that guy. So does Batman. All right. So there's your book. Are, are you ready? Uh, yeah. Show us what you got. All right. So. Here's a plastic bag for you to play with. Plastic walking down the street. No, it is not that. <laughs> it is, however. Journey into Mystery 69, 3.5. Oh, damn. The first book with the Marvel MC in the corner. Nice. We yeah, were talking about it, yeah. we were talking about these two books that um, Patsy Walker 95 and Journey Mystery 69 are the first two that actually have the the Marvel MC in the corner, which predates um, Fantastic Four number one by five months, people. Um, and it is a 3.5. It's not, obviously, it's a, it's a low grade, but this is one of the ones that Tommy and I said, even if you find it as a one, you buy it. Yeah, this is a historically important comic. Where'd you find this? Uh, Evil Bay. All right. So is this the first appearance of that Vin Diesel movie, The Iron Giant? No. <laughs> what do you say, Iron Giant? It's, it's Corilla. It says, who was oh, the, the, the Iron Giant? Was the Iron Giant. All right. Yeah, for 3.5, that's a pretty looking book. Yep, there you go. Let's take, let's take a look at that. Yeah, let's take a look at that. Steve right. Ditko, Jack Kirby of Dick Ayers cover in art. Yeah, that's the thing. It's Kirby. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's Yeah, you can tell with this guy's face, it's definitely a Kirby. Yep. And I do believe that is also another written by Stan Lee. Um, so, all right. Tonight, we're going to be talking about, since you know that book is uh, a non superhero title, some of the best non superhero comics out there. I'll let you guys start. I, well, we'll start out with one that uh, I introduced you to. Um, I believe we've maybe we've talked about it a little bit before, but uh, from DC's Vertigo line, ran for 150 issues from July 2002 to July 2015. Fables. This was this was a fantastic series. It, it dealt with uh, your some of your favorite failures, fable failures. What is it? Failures? I don't know what a failure is. Some of your favorite fables like Snow White, Cinderella, Prince Charming, The Big Bad Wolf. And them abandoning the fable lands due to the war going on from the adversary and living in New York. There was also a place in upstate New York called The Farm where your non-human fables, such as your three little pigs, um, you had dragons, giants, giants, and others lived that couldn't live in you know polite society. Well, here's why. And here's what I love about it. They only managed to bring three witches with them to the mundane world, uh, which is what they called us, the Mondays. Um, and in order to cast a glamour on to pass as human, 
It was expensive. Yeah. So you had to pay for it. And if you couldn't afford it, you got shipped up to the farm. That's right. Um, and um, you had you, – uh, who was the mayor of Fabletown to begin with? It was King Cole, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. King Cole, but Snow White actually really did all the work. He was more just a figurehead. Right. Um, and, it, and it's great. As the series goes on, uh, the big bad wolf who you know can take human form and Snow White fall in love, marry, and have children – which is probably my favorite part of the series. I'm not going to lie. I love the fact that I'm a little big, bit of a bit softy, so I love that. I love the fact that the big bad wolf, who is classically always a villain, is the sheriff of Fabletown. Oh, yes. And <laughs> that's one of the things. When you came to, to the Monday, as they called it, you know, your, your previous crimes were forgiven. Right. You know, for what, what you did in Fabletown and everything like that. So he was forgiven for his, his uh, trying to eat the, the three little pigs. And I like early on where he makes one of the comments where he talks about blowing down all the houses. He was like about being a young wolf at the time. Right. You know, he said, that brick house probably wouldn't stand a chance against me now. But Because but, uh, you go on to find out that his father is the North Wind, the North and that's Wind. where he gets the ability to blow houses down. Right, and him and Snow's children inherit his abilities from their grandfather. So. Right. And that's what—that's another great story when one of his kids goes missing and he goes after him. And that oh, that drags for a long time. Yeah, too. and he go and he go and he goes after his his child. Is you just see how big bad the wolf? Can now here's be. what's here's what's really funny. His daughter that disappears ends up in the fables version of the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, fables is a great uh, book. Another favorite story in here was was it was it was a single issue when it dealt with Santa Claus. The most powerful fable of them all. Oh right. Yeah, and and how you know the the kids stayed up to where they could if they caught Santa Claus they could either ask a question or get their toys and they, he asked how do you do it. There's a uh, one of the ones I remember and actually I don't think this was in fables I think it might have been in um, there's the spinoff Ferris. Mm-hmm. You have a reporter who shows up outside the um, the mansion that they use for their city hall. And he's telling Bigby, I know who you guys are. I've, I've got it all journaled down, and I'm going to expose it to the world. And Bigby's thinking, oh, crap. Now what are we going to do? And then he tells him, you're vampires. That's why none of you have AIDS. Now, that, that you, took place in the main story. And, and none of you uh, have AIDS and why you all look the same. And Bigby's like, oh, great. He thinks we're vampires. And it goes, well, now hang on. So then he tells the guy, so let me see if I got this right. You figured out that we're vampires, and you figured out the best way to handle it is to come tell me you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and you see the guy get the look on his face like, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, kind of like when in uh, The Dark Knight, when the Wayne, um, the Wayne Tech employee is trying to blackmail Bruce Wayne and like... Um, Owen Reese. Yes. Yeah, and... Uh, um, it's like you think you're you think you're a billionaire boss, one of the most wealthy, powerful men in the in the in the world, is secretly at night a superhero, beating up criminals with his bare hands, and your plan is to blackmail this. <laughs> 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 and, and, like, and and I love how Morgan Freeman kept the straightest face yeah, tr- and was dead sincere when he said it. Cool, cool under pressure. That's for sure. Right? Uh, look, that's why he's the man. That's why he's the man. Lucius Fox. Lucius yeah. Fox. Other highlights of the series include Prince Charming, who is, well, screw any woman on the face of the planet. Yes. Uh, he does kind of re- redeem himself from being, you know, the the, the, the jerk, Mario. you know, the, the the jerk, you know, ladies' man. Towards the end, when he gives up his life to so, to save Fable Town. My favorite story, and I can't actually use the line here because we're PG is when all the creatures on the farm revolt. Mm-hmm. And Snow White goes up there to take care of the revolution. And you see her, she is exploring outside the, the mountains of fable of uh, the farm because they're trying to kill her. And she finds two sleeping giants and a sleeping dragon. 
Right. So she wakes him up. And she goes back down to the village the next day. And there they are having their conversation about how they're going to go storm Fable Town. They've, they've actually specially um, altered the weapon so that all the animals can use them. And you see that she's carrying a gun and she now has a headset on. And she tells them, this little revolt is over. Everyone's going to go back to work. And then she goes, kill the barn. And you see the dragon just go, woof. <laughs> and like, resistance over. That was a great one. The, the, the barn, the, yeah, that was a great storyline. Yeah, I mean, this was a fantastic story. I mean, if, if you're into anything, you know, you know, a little different, definitely check out the uh, the Fables trade paperbacks. You can get them all in trade and hardback. It, it was phenomenal. It was I, really I well written. S- I still think ABC's Once Upon a Time was originally yeah. an option from this, and they couldn't get the rights to it, so they had to do their own spinoff. Yeah, I, well, it was yeah. at least, at the very least, it, it was influenced by this. Right. Oh, Absolutely. much so. Yeah, I mean, much it had so. to be. All right, Which was a great series in its own right, though. I what do you say. got for me? Well, I went back a little bit. One you of went my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite reads, and I'm probably one of the very few fans of this movie, um, this comic series, and the movie, because I was a fan of the artist, The Rocketeer. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Dave with, Stevens. With, with, with the late, great Dave Stevens. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want, if you are like nostalgia in any of the you know, movies and books and things like that, especially if you like myself who became a fan of the 1940s movie serials, the swashbuckler, Darren Do that hero and everything, this is the book for you. The art that Dave Stevens throws, gives us is unlike anything you would ever want to see. And sadly, can- it was cancer that took him from us, wasn't it? I think so, yes. And um, th- this will be his enduring legacy. And also, they did make a feature film of this featuring Bill Campbell and Timothy uh, Dalton and Jennifer Connelly, who played, oh, who was Jennifer the Connelly. first... I think she was the first live-action um, Betty Ross in cinema. And oh, oh yeah, the first Hulk. And in, in, in the in the first Hulk, where he where yeah. he grew to be nine feet tall and his underwear didn't tear up. Please explain to me how you grow that tall. You get that wide, and nothing I, happens to your draw. I hated it too, brother. That's the one with I the rabbit dog with the monster yeah. dogs, right? Yeah, my stretchy. Movie. Oh uh, yeah, did my stretch? <laughs> no, that the, that's the one from the Edward Norton one. Yeah. But I like that one though. Yeah. But that was better. But the first Hulk, come on, man! Hey, hey, hey! We're talking Rocketeer a lot here. But but um, but this but um, the only thing I hated about the movie there was enough Rocketeer. Right. You wanted you wanted more. You Rocketeer. wanted more because Bill Campbell just seemed so. Um, perfect for that role, and it was a great movie, cult classic, but yeah, Rocketeer was one of my favorites, man. I, I remember going to the theater and seeing that with my dad, um, and it was horrible because it was like a Saturday afternoon, and the theater wasn't very full, mm-hmm. and I knew right then and there, crap, the movie's not going to do very well, but I loved that movie. I really love when Cliff Secord finally decides to put the rocket on, and he takes off across the field, yeah. and he hits that pot, and he skitters Absolutely. across the swamp, yeah. and his friend pulls up, and he takes off, and he goes... I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You, you absolutely have to nail that first scene. Right. Yeah. You know? 
Absolutely. I do. I did love that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I need to buy that one because anytime it's on, I will watch it easily. Um, and that great iconic moment when they're at Griffin Observatory and uh, the dirigible is flying off. And he goes, look, it's a rocketeer. And the spotlight turns on and he's standing over his gun and he turns his head and he takes off. You're just like, rewind, play it again. Oh, oh yeah. Um, iconic. Yeah. And, how, and my favorite part was when someone shot a hole into the rocket. And they passed it with gum. And, and they passed it with gum. <laughs> And, and then a plot you gave ice later. Yeah, yeah, and they gave it, and like they gave it to Timothy Dalton that took the gum off and it right. blew up. Yeah. yeah, that was such a that was, great, that was great film. And that's why you didn't get a sequel because it was supposed to be a prototype, but you knew there had to be one hidden somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, when uh, Hugh shows up with a new plane for Cliff Secord, and you, and it was Cliff or Hughes's rocket pack, you knew there had to be a second one. Oh yeah. Because it's got that really great scene when Cliff is leaving um, the warehouse and he grabs hold of the model of the Spruce Goose and he gets out and, and Hughes just goes, the damn thing will fly. Mm. <laughs> yeah, such a great movie. I got to go buy that now. Mm. Uh, Madman, you got one? Uh, I, I don't really read the notes too closely. Okay. So I, I often make mistakes, but is Semper Fi fall in this category? Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 Comic book that was not uh, superhero based. Absolutely. Uh, so um, back... <laughs> Back when I was like a teenager, I played like war all the time. Oh. I don't know if you did. And I was into, uh, I would bug recruiters, like military recruiters, because they give you like bumper stickers that say army and shit like that. And I'd put them on my, you know, trapper keepers right. and so forth. And so I, I loved all the like army and stuff like that. It's probably why I ended up joining the Navy. But uh, when it when Semper Fi came out, I guess this was the late 80s, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Semper Fi mm-hmm. came out, and it was a, 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 just a whole bunch of stories about the United States Marine Corps. And I thought that was super interesting. I thought if I, if I, if I joined the military, it's either going to be the Navy or Marine Corps, because why be in the desert when you could be at beaches, Army and right, Air Force? Right, yeah. so, um, so I, But these stories, a lot of them had uh, like were based upon true historic uh, uh, Marine Actions that happened, whether it be it was it has spanned the course of time in the U.S. Marines from the Barbary Coast to uh, uh, Revolutionary Era Marines when we were still in the colonies, mm-hmm. and uh, even up to like a modern, you know, Vietnam. Vietnam at that era, at that time, late '80s was like the latest, maybe even like Grenada or something like that. And I always thought it was really interesting because a lot of them were true stories or even like fictionalized stories based upon real events. Right. And I always I always thought that was really interesting because. We're the real heroes in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the people who don't have powers, but yet are still going to get in front of a bullet. Exactly. Yeah. Fight, fight evil. Absolutely. Right. So one that I have, I have a new one, um, and you guys are very lucky in you guys being the readers because this, this book is only five issues in. Issue six will be dropping. I think it actually dropped this week. Um, it starts a new story arc, so you can either probably pick up the first five issues still online or to comic shop, or get the very uh, soon forthcoming trade paperback. That is um, something is killing the children by our boy James Tinian the Fourth again, and yep. uh, illustrated by Werther Deladera. Um, great book. Um, it's more of a horror um, genre. It takes place in this really small American town called Archer's Peak, um, and I love the way this is opening because. You have this character named Erica Slaughter who has just come out of a cave doing a job and her phone is ringing and she's being told she needs to go investigate this other town where children are being uh, disappearing and, and being killed. Now, what's really weird about this is you know from her phone call that there's another organization behind her pulling the strings, but you don't get to see them. Uh, I think it's maybe issue three or four, and even then you're only seeing um, like a shadowy organization type figure running the show. 
Um, so she goes to this town to investigate the string of murders. Now, what's really kind of weird about this is that she carries um, basically a stuffed octopus toy, but it's possessed by some type of spirit that only she can communicate with. Um, and you find out that her head of her organization has one of his own, and they all do. So it's got this unique little twist of what the hell are they talking to in this stuff? That's animal. a cool concept. I like that. So, so something's killing the children. One through five is the first arc. Um, six is going to be starting the new arc. It'll be out in trade paperback. I believe that's from our our friends at Boom Studios, who's been really uh, nailing the titles lately. Because remember, they gave us Girl in the Bay. Yeah, yeah, that was dark. Oh, yeah. That, that was dark. Horse that was dark horse. horse. Sorry, but that was a great series too. That's one that but, we probably that I probably should have bought up on here, but I'm not, but I'm not going to be. Yeah, and that's out in trade too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I highly recommend, especially if you like the horror genre. Um, something is killing the children. Fantastic. What do you got? Uh, next thing up we have is ran for 75 issues uh, from 1989 to 19 to what was it 96. This uh, from also from Vertigo, The Sandman. Yep. The story of uh, Morpheus of the Endless. He's one of several uh, siblings, destiny, death, dream, destruction, desire, despair, and delirium. Great, great, great series. He is the Lord of Dreams, and it begins with him being imprisoned for decades by an occultist that's seeking immortality, and he gets out. Um, it continues along the lines where he, where he comes back to imprison random dreams and that, that have escaped during his time. A lot of great concepts came out of this. Um, if you are a fan of the TV show Lucifer. This is where the concept for that show came from. From okay. From from the uh, from the seasons and myths storylines. He travels. Uh, Morpheus travels to hell to free a former love that's been imprisoned there, only to find out that Lucifer has quit and has decided that he's <laughs> done being you know Lord of Hell, and entru- he entrusts Morpheus with the key to hell at that point, and he just leaves to go do his thing. In Los Angeles, as a bar owner. Nice. So, and so that's where the concept comes from, and and that was a really great storyline because all of these, you know, gods like Odin and various, you know, death gods and everything come to him demanding the key, demanding the key, and he's not given the key. Then God sends angels to demand the key, and his, his one of his uh, assistants says, "Where are you going to give him the key?" He goes, "Well, of course I am." He goes, "Is he more? Is he more powerful than you?" Well, of course he is. <laughs> so, you know, and so those two angels take over hell and Lucifer and Lucifer's uh, stead while he's you know doing his thing in Los Angeles. But yeah, th- this was a fantastic series. It was also a great storyline um, where, which is basically a serial killer convention, where a group of serial killers get together at a. Uh, at a hotel and start telling their stories about the people they kill. And, That's messed up. Uh, what was this one? There was, <laughs> there was this one in particular that there was talking about. This woman was talking. She is, she goes, I am just getting so tired of the stigma. I am a woman and a serial killer. I can do that. <laughs> so here's what's funny about this series. Um, we were at a comic book shop and I mentioned I had never read it. And Tommy's like, really? So you need to be getting book one, son, and reading that. And I'm like, you've read Sandman? So I was surprised that Tommy has read this. Tommy's also the one who years ago turned me on to Fables. And I read book one of that, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's fantastic. Immediately went into the store at the time and bought, like, volumes two and three right then. Like, I got to have these. 
Yeah, this is this is great. I mean, if you have not bought bought these, I, I don't think I have the trades anymore because I, I was downsizing and I got rid of a lot of my trades in the past, which unfortunately. But um, this is a fantastic series. Yeah, I'm gonna have, and it's funny. I just finished a trade of another series that I'm reading that it's gone on my list here. But I picked up Volume 1 of Sandman a few months ago and haven't read it. And you I need said, to sit down and read and it. And I said, maybe I'll put this next on my list. So and when you finish reading it, lend it to me so I can read it again. Absolutely. Um, Enos, what do you got? Falling asleep over there. <laughs> no. I saw that. It's, <laughs> it's been a long day. Sleepy E. One of... Um, definitely not a superhero, but he's a classic character because I love police stuff. Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a cop's cop. He, I mean, what what can you not say about him that's contributed to his longevity? You know, the, the the characters, the gadgets, everything. But but I think what was the solidifying um, nature for Dick Grace, Dick Grayson, for Dick Tracy was the 1990 movie with Warren Beatty. He did. I actually was very pleasantly surprised with the way they did that and how they had um, William Forsythe as black to, uh, flat top. That's one of my favorite. I did, uh, I did love the way they brought in the villains, like because they had Fat Top, they had Prune Face, they had all of them. They, and they, they brought really all good. of those guys well, in. The makeup is so very well executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And think about when this was made. Makeup yeah. and prosthetics still weren't that advanced. Mid early nineties, right? Nineteen ninety. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, quite some time. time. Um, it, the, a matter of fact, it came out the same time. I, I can't remember which came before, but both uh, Dick Tracy and um, the Rocketeer were both in the theaters at the same time. Right. And um, what what um, I Charlie Cosmo was the one that. Uh, that really stole the show playing the kid, and who, and that's when I first found out because you, um, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Tommy, I'm, me and Randy will have an old folks moment in a minute. Do you remember the, the animated series Archie's TV Funnies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember they used to have the Dick Tracy on the, the Dick Tracy? Right. I found out that is who Junior was. Junior oh, okay. was the the, the the character Junior. I was like, okay, where is Junior? I, I saw Junior, but I never knew who he was. That the, the little kid that was an orphan, he didn't have a name. So he took Dick Tracy's name and named Dick Tracy Junior. That's huh. where Junior comes okay, from. Okay, yep. I, I never made that point. Now, but, was Madonna in the movie? Or she yes, she, she was point? in the okay. movie. She was Breathless Mahoney, and the late Glenn Headley was Tess Trueheart. Late Glenn Headley? Yes, she passed away. Oh, my God. When would this happen? I want to say about... Two years ago, oh man, I, I totally crushed on her so hard. Man, she, man, I she, love Van Headley. She you was seen Dirty, um, Rot- Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he was. A, she, she, yeah, she played the girl in almost yeah. every movie for like a decade. Yeah, oh, man. And wow. then, like, yeah, she. Um, we lost her. I'll find. I'll, I'll get to this moment, but yeah, and she. What I loved about this movie is that every character in the film was. The, the actors, actors and actresses, was just like Chester Gould's comic strip came right to life. They yep, walked right off the page and was, onto the screen. There was only one problem with that movie, and you're going to laugh, and you're going to laugh when I tell you too, because you'll get the irony of it. 
They didn't make Warren Beatty's nose. They did, they did, I, oh, I was just getting ready to say the only thing that the only thing that was wrong that the only thing that, that I could say that you would that I could agree with you that was wrong with that movie. They didn't give Warren Beatty the classic nose, and they gave it. There's a backstory on that. They had the nose. It just didn't work but for it was, Beatty. It was Warren Beatty, so Warren. Right. Beatty. you're not going to no. cover yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, Mr. Yeah, you think this? Yeah, I was gonna say the man who inspired a, a hit, a top yeah, ten hit, who, is not gonna who get broke his Carly pay. Simon's yeah. heart. Yeah, um, I think what uh, was Warren Beatty and you're so vain? Are you serious? <laughs> That's what the song was about. That's what the song is about. <laughs> when did they reveal that? Oh my god! Oh, uh, we've known it for it's years. In bet- it's in between the lines. It. It's always been in between the lines. It's always between. But she did come out and admit finally that yes, it is Warren. Yeah. Wow. The, okay. um, I think what made things work, even without the nose. Uh, in Dick Tracy is that they stuck to the four co- four color scheme. Yeah, yeah. and so mm-hmm. I think that was very important when it comes to design, when it comes to making a movie, especially in that era, in that genre. And here's what was great about that too: his his um, signature yellow coat. Yeah, really popped. Oh man, that, that was movie. awesome. But the the is it safe to say that the person who stole the show was Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, Dustin Hoffman. That, that was an yeah. excellent scene. Oh, that was excellent. Well, here's the great thing about that. That movie um, and that character directly, to me, directly inspires this other one that I have on here, uh-huh. Sin City. Because you get a lot of that same film noir look in Sin City that mm-hmm. you had in the Dick Tracy movie. Far more movie. F- film noir. Far right. more film noir. Far more, but you get the same color scheme. You kept it muted colors and bright colors in but the forefront. It was black and white with some accented colors. Right, right. We lost for two years. It'll be three years this June, guys. Yeah. But Sin City is another great um, comic book that um, is not superhero related. And if you've seen the movie, it is pretty much the, the same story. Um, Marv yeah. Mar- finds... Panel by panel. Panel yeah. by panel mm-hmm. finds Goldie. Same thing with Watchmen. I told someone earlier today, Watchmen is pretty much a panel by panel make of that movie with yeah. the exception of, oh, the, yeah. of the end. However, the difficulty of the Watchmen was integrating the soundtrack. I think that was probably the hardest part. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, Sin City. Um, Mad Men, did you have another one? Uh, m- around about the same time I was getting to December 5, my parents got me this, what, my very first graphic novel, which was The Life of Christ, mm-hmm. visualized. And it was basically just, you know, the stories of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John uh, and from the Bible, and it's all, like, painted by this artist and stuff like that. And it was interesting you know, I thought that was that was neat. It has nothing to do with superheroes, unless you think Jesus is a superhero. No, no, I don't see Jesus. Well, now he's probably a wizard. No, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a no. wizard. Jesus is Jesus. Look, I'm trying to not get struck by lightning here in the studio. Or, okay. or, do you, or you think he's probably a necro- necromancer? He brought Lazarus back. Didn't no, he? Jesus is just Jesus. Jesus I mean, is a necromancer, right. probably. He's, see, Scott's uh, Scott's about to go down the road of Jesus is a zombie argument here. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard this one. Yeah. Well, it's just that when flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Come on. Exactly. He's a wizard. <laughs> All righty. Um, so mention Sin City. One that I'm going to pull up again, um, just because I just recently read book three, um, and I and I really love this book. I let Mad Men borrow the first volume of it. Um, I've got to go get volume four. Um, is Sex Criminals. By Matt Fraction and, and Chip Zdarsky. 
Uh, this book is actually so good, it's actually been named as Time Magazine's, one, one of Time Magazine's top ten graphic novels. Um, and it's saying something when Time Magazine is mentioning a comic book as a graphic novel, especially one of the nature of a couple who had sex and realize that time stops when they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it shows that I think that culture's moving in a far more right. X-rated, R, excuse me, R-rated direction. Right. You know, people are swearing on TV these days. I mean, even our president said, it's all... Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, By volume three, it becomes apparent that, well, we can get away with a little more nudity. We can get away with a little more genitalia because they they start not shying away from it. Um, It's kind of a lot like the old Benny Hill TV show Mm -hmm. when it used to be on the local station here. They forgot to edit it out, so you saw all the boobies, and then when they tried to edit it out, all the people who were watching the show says, no, we like it, leave it alone. Right, right. Um, But uh, the thing that's really great about this is as they go along, they find out that they're not the only ones who have some type of unique ability when they have their moment. Right. Um, so it's also really great. Um, the main character, Susie, um, and John and all the others do this classic break in the fourth wall during the story. Uh, especially when Susie first discovers her ability. It's such a great scene where um, young Susie goes to take her bath, and all of a sudden, grown-up Susie is sitting on the side of the tub telling you about, this is the moment, you know, this is when I learned. And there's one panel where she's not saying a word, she's just looking at the camera, which is growing her face like, yeah, baby. <laughs> so that's that's another great one. You guys got anything else? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one that's been talked about before on this, uh, The Transformers. Bought to us from Marvel. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be a four-issue limited series, but was so popular that it continued on in an ongoing series. Uh, issue five is one of the most awesome covers you will ever see. So you're really going to pull Transformers? I'm going to pull Transformers. I would argue that that's still a superhero comic. How would you argue it's a superhero comic? Giant about... freaking robots. Right, which aren't superheroes. They're giant freaking robots. Why don't you just go G.I. Joe? G.I. Okay. I would give you G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe is more, Transformers. is more more not superhero-y than Transformers. Right? But, exactly. But the thing but, is, the thing but too. But Transformers, Transformers is more superhero superhero-y than Micronauts. Okay. But mm, but but, yes. but Transformers is not superhero. I'm sorry. You know, giant robots that transform into cars is not a superhero. No, it's just hokey. It kept, it, and it kept going after issue uh, after issue four. Issue five is an amazing cover. If you're a Transformers fan, you need to get issue five because the Nom that cover was a good one. Um, the Nom, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the Nom, and this Frank being, Castle appears in it. Yeah. In fact, me being uh, a guy who's not into war comics or war history, I love the Nom. The yeah. Nom was a great book. It was a great book, very well written. Um, and like you know, both me and my Madman were both were veterans, and it was just like you know. You have a greater appreciation for what we, because at the time, I think I speak for Madman when I say this, at the time we were going through basic and during the time we served, we didn't really take into consideration exactly what we were doing. We were just doing our job. But when we got out and we saw the impact of what our serving has done. Or on our lives. And, and, and on our lives. Because I'm not going to lie to you. I had a completely different outlook on the military as I got older. And when I un- came to understand and recognize my why I was serving. Right. And, and, and especially the way that, you know, people take things for granted. 
and I, and, and I think Mad Man will agree with me on this too. One of the best things that made, really made me appreciate my service is when you leave this country and go somewhere else and see how oh, yeah. other people live. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you do not, and ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you, you do not know how good you have it until you have to be without it. Right, right. And every time, especially when I went to Jordan, that I was that I knew I was coming back home, I couldn't get wait to get back, mm-hmm. and was very happy I did. So you know. Just understand where we're coming from. The, the those who didn't make it, they're in our hearts every day, and we never. And man, 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 will agree with me. We never met them. All we know is their name. Right. But you have that bond exactly with their families because they did, and they and those families endured right, right with them. Well, here's the service. Here's what I mean. When the USS Cole was attacked, right, uh, that that really hit the entire Navy, especially people like me, hard. Right, and I'll tell you why. Because I mean, I could have been on that mess deck on that particular day, right, depending upon my orders, right, and exactly. I, and I understand that those people are the same as the people I'm working with on my ship, exactly. I just wasn't. I wasn't in the unlucky situation at that time, right. And so you understand everything that they're going through, their their duty and stuff like that. Uh, after I think about like six months after the USS Cole was hit and they limped it back to, to Harvard to get worked on, that's when they started uh, seeing USS Cole uh, shipmates coming in the fleet and stuff like that and saying, you know, hey, you know, how'd it go? And you sit there and you talk to them about it. And it's like, that's yeah, rough. And that was the conversation that you had with people on your ship was, right. It's like this could happen. Oops, to yes, us at any time. And and that's what that's that's great about the noun that you pulled up. Mm-hmm. That comic told those stories. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you could tell that the writers in that book, who's I don't know who their name are, you knew that they either had done time in the service or they had friends who had done time in the service, and they were getting the story from them because they were conveying that in that book absolutely. beautifully. And and the and the one thing about the nom that will always stand out as it was with simplify. The authenticity, yeah, people of those stories. People you got knew killed. this wasn't just something made of. This was something. The best story that you'll ever tell is one that you lived. Absolutely. Right. So we're out of time. A couple more out there that are really great non-superhero comics. Um, if you like stories about undeads and zombies, but you want them to actually have a twist on it, pick up the trade paperbacks of Revival by Tim Steely and Mike Norton. This is actually very unique in that these people die, they come back, but they're just like this. They maintain all of their knowledge, their personality. They just can't be killed. Right. Um, so that was a really great one. And 100 you know, Bullets by Brian Azzarello. I really want to read this one. I have yet to read it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'll probably pick up the first couple of trades. Like most of those series, I'm sure they start off good and then kind of start wavering as you go. But Fables has that same issue. The middle the middle series just kind of like, oh, God, we just get to the next big bat already. Um, and then, of course, uh, oh, I missed one. Sin City, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, do you want to remember, uh, remind everybody, we do have our um, Gmail account out there, you know, lostinlongboxgmail.com, facebook.com slash lostinlongbox. Um, Madman does Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. Make sure you check him out. Give him some love. Uh, we got our Facebook groups that Enos is also running an administrator of. Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever. 
realm of superheroes, comics, and pop culture. Gather together the greatest superhero teams. That is it until next week. Next week, just give you a little tease, we are going to be revisiting um, the classic Wizard Magazine Guide to Comics. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fun. All right. Thank you very much. We love you guys. Have a good night. Have a good night. Ah.